0: Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? How many are enjoying this beautiful week we've had? You're like, what beautiful week? Wasn't it gray all week and dreary? Yeah, maybe a little. But hey, we're so glad that you're here today. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We are in the midst of our series uh, entitled A Process of Becoming. How many are grateful that God loves you just as you are, but loves you too much to leave you as you are? Amen. Can I get an amen on that one? He loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. And I think this is great because God keeps calling us uh, to to follow him and to experience the purpose that we are created for. And as a church, our desire is to see God work in and through your life so that you can become the people God wants you to be. Uh, Our mission as a church, we, we had a membership class yesterday and we talked about this, but I just want to remind you what our mission as a church is. Our mission is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Our mission is to help you become the person that God created you to be, and and we believe that if we're going to do this, we need to have a good process, because a good process helps develop a better product, and so the last few weeks, we've been talking about a process by which we can become the people God wants us to be, and so we've looked at five different, there's five different pieces to our process, and I think we even have a graphic for it. But the first thing that we need to do is we need to clarify our focus. How many of you here have lots of room for improvement? How many sitting next to someone who's got lots of room for improvement? Yeah, some of, yeah, some of you love that one. You're like, that's so easy, right? Um, but but we, we recognize in our life there are so many places in our lives that we need to improve that sometimes we can be so overwhelmed by it. But the truth is if we can begin to focus on one area of our life Because we're integrated beings, one area begins to impact many areas. And so if we're going to begin this process of becoming, it's about clarifying our focus. It's about asking the question, in this season of my life, what is the most important thing that I'm working on? Where's the area that I need to change? Last week, we talked about the importance not only of needing to clarify focus, but discover new ideas. And this, this whole idea is the fact that if we're going to be transformed, as, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Many times in our culture, we try to transform our lives by developing new habits without reworking the operating system or thinking different. And so what ends up happening, we we end up lapsing back into the way we used to live because we haven't changed our thinking. Because you are actually living out your thinking. And if we're going to be changed, we need to think different. And so we talked last week about the importance of taking our thinking and beginning to filter and process it it through the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we clarify, focus, and discover new ideas, it's important that we establish disciplines. And from there, begin to normalize habits. And that's the area that we're going to think about this morning. And then we're going to talk about next week about evaluating progress. So I remember hearing Josh McDowell once say, and I love this, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always be what you've always been. I mean, that's a pretty good line. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always be what you've always been. And really, the, the call to follow Jesus is a call to live different. It, it's, a, it's a call to live a new life. This Christian faith that this following Jesus is more than just ideas, it's about living in a way that reflects his love and his grace. And so, today, as we talk about living different, we're going to focus on the, those two areas of establishing new disciplines and normalizing uh, new habits. Um, the big idea we're going to think around is this, is that new disciplines empower new outcomes, and we're going to kind of focus our thinking in Ephesians, and we're going to reference, we're going to look at Ephesians 4 for a few moments. I will reference some stuff from Ephesians 2, but, but Paul is writing this, this church, and, and, and I love how he begins this letter. He writes this church, and he begins with a description of the magnitude of God's grace toward us through Christ Jesus and that it is God's purpose to raise up a people who, were, who will reveal the goodness of God in their lives. I want you to know that God is working in us and, and He wants to reveal something. He doesn't just want to do something in us. He wants to do something through us. Now, as he writes his book, in the first three chapters, he lays a theological foundation for, for, for what he begins to talk about in chapter four, and, and from four through six, which are the next three chapters. But, but I love how how he begins chapter, chapter 4 by saying that, that, that while well, he challenges the church to live a life worthy of the calling that they have received, to live a life worthy. The idea of worthy there is, is kind of where we get our word axis. It kind of pictures this idea of a balance or a scale. And the question is, the lives that we live, are they lived in balance with what we've been called to? Do, do our lives live and reflect the character of our God? Do, do, do our lives reflect, reflect his love? Does it reflect his purpose? Does it reflect, do our lives reflect his goodness? And we are challenged to live lives not just have ideas or think ideas, but to live lives. And, and as we clarify a focus, as we transform our thinking, as we discover these new ideas and then begin to l- develop new habits, we have the opportunity for our lives to reflect God's goodness. And we're going to see that through faith in Jesus, transformation is possible. And so we're going to begin reading in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, and I'm just going to read the whole passage, verse 17 through eighteen uh, through 28, sorry. And it says this, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Like, Paul's like, guys, listen, I, I'm going to insist on it. Like, like, not just like, hey, here's a recommendation, but guys, listen, you need to live different. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do, as the cultures around you. You, you are called to live different, and he goes on to explain or, or characterize the, uh, the, that which their living reflects, which is the futility of their thinking, and it says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Everybody say, put off. How many know that God is calling us through Christ Jesus to put off some stuff, right? But not only to put off stuff, it goes on to say... Uh, and that which we're putting off is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and, but to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on. Everybody say, put on. And we've got to put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Now, originally when I was working on this message, my, my text was actually from 4:17 all the way to chapter 5, verse 20, but I thought that might be a really long thing to read. You might be like, that's a really long sermon. But I would challenge you to read it because what happens is, is as, as Paul says, guys, there's things you need to put off and things you need to put off, put on. He begins to list all these areas of our lives that we need to consider things to put off and things to put on. And so what we get in that last little bit is just a a small list of some things we need to do. But as we think about this idea of living different, this idea of putting off and and, and putting on and and really having a life that reflects our calling, um, I want to note three things about living different, about living a transformed life. And the first is this. It is God's grace that makes transformation possible. I think this is such a foundational idea for you and me as, as we think about lives that are lived differently, to, to live what God has called us to be and to do, that it is God's grace that makes transformation possible. For Paul, the grace of God is a game, is a game changer. It is, his love and, and it is God's love and commitment toward us through Jesus that ultimately enables us to experience a truly better life. And it's important for us to understand this because I don't know about you, but I at least know for me, I need more than just tweaking. Like, I need, I need more than just small changes. I need to be transformed. And each of us, more, more than just little, little, like, changes around the edges, you and I need to be transformed by the grace of God. And the reason is, is because there is actually a power that is at work within us And that power is the work of sin or or the power of sin, and it works to produce death in us. Now, as we think about sin, the thing that I'm trying to continue to help you understand is sin is more than just a bad act or doing a wrong thing. Sometimes we think about sin as doing a wrong thing, and there is a part of sin doing wrong things, but it's more than that. It's really about having a heart or a disposition that, that has this inclination or this orientation that says, I know better than God how to get what's best for me. I know know better than God. You know what? I can can pursue relationships how I want. I I, I can read what I want. I can watch what I want. I can say what I want. I can do what I want in order to get what's best for me. The problem is is that sin at work in our life, instead instead of it bringing us better, it actually brings death and it brings fragmentation, and it brings brokenness, and it brings ruin. And we have this challenge within us. We think we know better on how to get the good stuff. And this is why sometimes we wrestle with God's Word, because God's Word says, you know, put off this, stop doing this, don't do this with your life, do this with your life. And and we're like, oh yeah, I, I don't know if I like that. I want to do it my way. I want to choose my own way, and instead of bringing life, man, it, it wrecks us. And that stuff is at work in us. And, and this is why I say we need more than just little tweaks, we need a transformation. We need a transformation. Paul writes about this at the beginning of uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And he says this As for you, You were dead in your transgressions and sin in what you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And so there's there's this battle that's going on all around us. It says, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is such an important passage and, and, and such an important idea as we consider the idea of transformation. It is God's grace that makes transformation possible. It's more than our own effort and our own work. It is God's grace. If we try to transform our lives without His grace, and we think we can just do it through our good works, we need to understand that our good works can make a corpse look better, but it can't make it alive. And that's what our good works do. We can dress up corpses But we can't make them alive. It is only through Christ Jesus that we can be made alive. And because of God's grace, transformation is possible. This is so good because you know what? You don't have to be the person that you were. You don't don't have to continue to live and and battle with the stuff that has held you down and and kept you from, from living the life you were created for. Because of the grace of Christ Jesus, you and I have the opportunity to experience transformation. I'm convinced this is the most important decision everyone must make, and that is putting their faith in Christ in order that they might find forgiveness and discover a new life. So it is God's grace that makes transformation possible. I also want to note this, that transformation requires participation. In making us alive, transformation becomes possible. Our lives can reflect the purpose that we were created for. That because of the grace of God, we don't have to be defined by our history, hurts, or our habits. Yet for Paul, as he thought about there, as he worked through this stuff, he understood that transformation is something that begins through the power of God. But, but it's not just at the place where we get to say, okay, well now I don't have to do anything. If God wants to transform me, I'm just going to let him. But Paul recognizes that transformation involves, our, involves the participation of the individual To allow the transformation of the heart to become manifest in the transformation of the person. That that, that what we have to do, if we're going to experience transformation, we understand it is God's grace that makes it possible. But what we have to do is we have to learn to work with God's grace and participate with His grace. This is why Paul would write, you are taught with regard to your new way of life to put off the old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. There's a responsibility you and I have in transformation. It begins with God's grace, but it requires our participation. It requires discipline. You see, new life requires new disciplines. And a discipline is just simply saying, this is how I am choosing to live. When you develop a discipline, you're saying, This is how I am choosing to live. Now, as we consider this, I, I think it's important to kind of properly frame the, the, why we do our disciplines. We do our disciplines more than we do it because we're told. How many of you, you grew up and your parents told you, This is what you do because that's what you're told? How many have done that? All the kids are like, I remember that. Take out the trash. Why? Because I told you to. Right? And you're like going because your parents got to let you in way later in life on the big secret about why you have to take out the trash, right? Like, it's a totally different story. But you're like, because I told you. And, you know, sometimes we do our disciplines or we try to live out this Christian faith just because we're like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and, and there's a part where that, that works. But I think there's a, a far better way by which to manage disciplines, and that is to develop disciplines that flow from relationship. Now... I've, I've expressed this before, and, and it's just to give you an example. And this doesn't make me a good person or a holy person. It's just an example. So when I married Rachel, this, I'm just giving you this is the idea. When I married Rachel, I stopped dating other women. Right? You're like, going, dude, how many think I'm a pretty impressive kind of person, right? Now, Now, why did I do that? Well, part of the reason is because my wife would hurt me. That's a different story I'm just, I'm just kidding honey um but but the reason is is because i have a relationship with her and my relationship with her has now changed my conduct with everyone else it's the relationship that begins to cause me to live different and this is what god is doing he's saying listen i, I want you to live in relationship with me and allow my relationship with you to begin to change the way you do every part of your life and we've talked about this Jesus doesn't want to be a part of our life. He wants to be the center of our life from which every aspect of our life is impacted and affected. And this requires discipline. Have you ever noticed that the word discipline and disciple come from the same root? That you really can't be a disciple of Jesus without adopting the disciplines of Jesus. I want, I want you to hear that. You, you can't really be a disciple of Jesus if you don't adopt the disciplines of Jesus. Jesus. The disciplines of following him, because what is a disciple? It's just a disciplined follower. It's saying, Jesus, my life is going to flow from my relationship with you. What you teach, what you demonstrate, that's how I'm going to live. Now, discipline is incredibly important in, in, in all of our lives. We, we recognize it's important. So how many know that discipline restrains desire? That, that if you don't have discipline, it, your, your own desires are going to ruin and wreck you. Our lives are are impacted by our appetites, our affections, and our ambitions. And, uh, you know, think about, you know, we've got a whole bunch of parents in this room. How many know that as parents, if you let your kids pursue and move in the direction of their appetites where they can eat whatever they want to eat and do whatever they're going to do, how many know that our kids are not going to become healthy beings? And the reason is, is their appetites actually can lead them to the place or they they actually our appetites don't always lead us to healthy places and we need to understand this because we live in a culture that says you know what whatever your desire your appetite is just pursue it you will find happiness at the end of that rainbow you'll find that pot of gold if you if you can just live out your desires and live out your if you can just pursue those things you will find the happiness at the end but it's so foolish because we recognize even when you give in to every appetite, it doesn't always make you well or happy. And see, the reason we need discipline is because we recognize, even with our own children, that left to our own devices, pursuing our own desires, our own ambitions, our own affections, our own appetites, we actually end up ruining our lives. We're diminishing and limiting our potential. You see, it's the Holy Spirit, one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in our life is actually self-control. Because God knows the tendency of you and I to self-destruct. I, I figured out a long time ago, the re, the, like the cause of the majority of my problems in my life actually look at me in the mirror. The issue many times is just me. Sometimes it's you guys, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's me. There's a part of me. And and this is part of this whole idea of, you know what, the reason we need discipline in our lives because if we live undisciplined lives, we'll end up self-destructing. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside us because the Holy Spirit comes to help us begin to restrain ourselves so that we can live a life that we were created for. So discipline is important because it restrains desires, but not only that, discipline positions us for Grace. You see, when you begin to discipline your life, you put yourself in a position where the grace of God can begin to work in and through you in greater and greater ways. Not only that, discipline prepares us for purpose. One of the things I have found true about disciplines, when you begin to develop disciplines in your life, it actually helps you create margin. Margin is necessary for ministry. The truth is, is when we live a, a, a life that, that, that our lives can quickly get filled with so many different pieces, and we can quickly lose margin, and we, we can go through life incredibly tired, or we can go through life just, you know, incredibly busy, and all these different things, because we're, we're just chasing all these things, and everything's moving. And, and because of it, sometimes we're, we're so, f- our schedules are so full, and our, and our, and our lives, are, you know, are, are so tight, that we really can't even serve people. But what discipline does is discipline helps us create margin in our lives so that we can serve people. And, and you'll see Paul talk about this again and again. He, he says, like, if you put off these things and put on these things, because it, you do this in order that you might be able to sh- you have something to share with someone else. Because God's grace is not just about doing something to you, it's about doing something through you. And so we need discipline to restrain desire to help position us for grace as well as prepare us for purpose. And this is why I say transformation requires participation. And we need to say, God, would you help us figure out those areas in our life where we need to develop discipline? And see, sometimes we need, our, we need discipline to impact our words, our attitudes, our actions, and our interactions. That there are things in our life that we need to be disciplined about putting off, and we need to be disciplined about putting on. In order that we might be the people God's calling us to. The last thing I want to know about transformation real quick is that transformation is the product of new disciplines consistently applied through time and testing. So transformation, we're able to be transformed by the grace of God, yet in this transformation, we have a participation piece. But the third thing I want to note is that transformation is the product of new disciplines consistently applied through time and testing. You see, part of what God is calling us to do is not just to be transformed for moments. It's not just about disciplining ourselves for a short season. It's about having a life that, that, that becomes disciplined, that it's just the way we live. You see, God wants our disciplines to become a regular or normal part of our lives. And this involves us developing and maintaining them through time and through testing. The challenge is this, though. Many times we want better lives, but we want it Now. How many of you like quick fixes and easy solutions? That's how I'd like it. Like, just so you know, if I was God, how many think that's a pretty funny thing? Yeah, that'd be awful. Be like, dude, we'll, just, we'll do quick fixes and easy solutions, right? But that's not who God is. And he recognized that transformation requires di- diligent effort through time and testing. Without time... There is no growth. Without time, there is no growth. Like, in, in just a little bit, how many are just believing Jesus is going to eventually get warmer again? And then we're going to be able to be back in our gardens. How many are looking forward to garden season? Oh, and we put our seeds in the ground. And how many know for stuff to grow, it requires time? And see, we need to have discipline that, that, that endures through time. And not, and not allowing impatience to short-circuit the process that God has for us. But not only that, without testing, there is no strength. Without testing, there is no strength. And this is why, with our disciplines, we have to understand, we have to maintain disciplines through time and through difficulty. Have you ever had those moments where you're like going, you know what, I want to be disciplined about this, but then a hard time comes up and you're like going, you know what, yeah, this wasn't a good time to stop this. I, I need this comfort, I need this, I need this stuff, and we sometimes fall back into old patterns because things get difficult. I remember hearing somebody speak once about this whole idea of, of mastering lessons. How do you know you've mastered a lesson? Remember when you were in school? How did, you, how did you know you mastered a certain subject or an area of a subject? You would have to take a test. It wasn't enough that the teacher just gave you information. They would test you on it. Have you really learned? What do you know about this? And the truth is is sometimes what we know becomes revealed in the test. This person also said, which I thought was pretty clever, is that the teacher is often silent during the test. Remember when you were like you'd be taking a test, and like, oh man, I don't know the answer, and your teacher would be like going, if you have any questions on the exam, just ask me, but I'm not going to give you the answer. And sometimes what happens, listen, God in his grace wants to grow and develop us, and he says, listen, I want to see what you're learning. I, I, want, to, I want you to manifest my grace. And so we go through a season of time, but then we go through a season of testing, and all of a sudden it becomes revealed what we know. And sometimes in those seasons, it can feel as though we can't hear God. Have you ever had moments in your life where it seems like God seems farther away than usual? You're like, God, I I can't hear you. Like, God, God, what, what do you want me to do? God, just say something. And I'll do it. God, just... And you're just like, and it's the silence, and we're overwhelmed by the silence. This is where I think disciplines are so important. Because disciplines provide us a path through silence. That when we don't know what to do, we just keep doing the thing we know we need to be doing. When we're not quite sure what the next path or the next course is, we know just like regardless of what I know about these things, this is what I know I need to keep on doing. Without testing, there is no strength. You see, we need to allow new disciplines to become new habits in our life. See, transformation is the product of new disciplines consistently applied through time and testing. And and when we understand this about this this idea of of transformation, because everybody in this room wants to experience something better. I know it. We want better marriages. We want to be better parents. We, We want to be better in our community. We want our lives to reflect the love and grace of God in greater ways. We want to be people of influence. We, we, we want this change. And listen, God wants to bring transformation to our life. It's, it's a result of His grace. And we begin to partner with that grace. And we begin to establish some new disciplines that we, we enact through time and through testing. A few weeks ago, I simply asked the question, in this season... What is the area God's wanting you to grow in? And we talked about we need to think about things a little differently. How are we processing our thinking in light of the gospel? And then as we do that, there's opportunity that arises that, you know what? Maybe there's some things we need to begin to do differently. And what discipline do you need to adopt in this season? So you're like, God, you're wanting to change this about me. God, I recognize in this area you want me to grow. The question then becomes, well, God, what discipline are you calling me to establish and to normalize in my life? Now, as we seek to establish new disciplines and, and normalize habits, I think there's some things we have to do. We have to keep Jesus at the center. Again, we we have to make the commitment that, that, Lord, I am going to have a life that reflects my relationship with you. That when I'm at work, when, when when I'm at home, God, wherever I am, I want my life to reflect my relationship with you. I also think that in establishing new disciplines, we have to also begin starting small. I think there's great danger in trying to leap tall buildings in a single bound because you, you often run into the building or you become so discouraged, you're like, why even try? One of the things that I have found in life is that little daily wins produce significant life change over time. It's the little daily wins. It's the little daily disciplines where it's like, going, okay, I'm going to be faithful in this through time and through testing, and I'm just going to do a little thing. It's, it's amazing how God takes little things and accomplishes big things. How many remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000? How many know that started with the little thing that became a big thing? There was the widow at Zarephath who had just a little bit of oil, but God took the little and he made a whole lot. Like God consistently throughout his word says, okay, if you'll just bring me the little, I'll begin to bring change through time. And sometimes in our lives, it can be as simple as this. You know, like in a relationship, maybe you're like, well, you know what, we're trying to work on becoming more together as a couple. Maybe you're like going, you know, as, as a spouse, you're like, I just want to, you know, we, we just need to like grow our relationship together. You know what a simple daily discipline can be? Like this is huge. Like it's, it's actually not big. It's actually kind of small. I'll, I'll tell you, this is one of them. Is before you leave the house in the morning, go up to your spouse, give them... Give them a kiss and just tell them I love you. You wouldn't be surprised how many, in how many marriages there is a, a, a heart, a hungry heart just to hear those words I love you. And it takes discipline because sometimes we get so in front of our days that we forget the people around us. And, and when you begin to make the small thing of just saying I love you day after day every time you leave the house, All of a sudden, it begins to change the way you interact with that person. How many know that's not a big thing? But it's an important thing, and it can lead to big things. It could be as simple as this. You're trying to grow your marriage, and so you're like, okay, so the daily discipline I'm going to make is when I leave the house, I'm going to tell my spouse I love them, I'm going to give them a kiss, and then we'll go on our day. Another thing you could do is this, is take them by the hand, A few moments just at the beginning of the day, grab their hand, hold it together, and just say, hey, is there anything I can pray with you about? And take a moment to pray for one another. You begin to do that, and it begins to change the dynamic of your relationship. It's not a big thing, but it's a small daily discipline. It's beginning to take seriously that I am putting God first in our marriage. This is why I say, start small. See, sometimes we think, well, I got to do this, this, and and it's all these big things. Listen, if you do a small thing over a serious amount of time, you'd be surprised how that begins to produce a change. The other thing I would say about disciplines is you also have to learn to start them now. How many of you have a procrastinating nature? I'll just do this tomorrow. I'll, I'll get to it when I have time, right? I'll do it later. If you want to experience transformation in your life, you have to learn to embrace now. I have to begin now. You see, there's something exponential to positive change in our life. We don't always see the big return early, but it makes a big difference later on. And the truth is, is because it's exponential, the longer we wait to start, the more we begin to limit our future. It's sort of like compound interest. For those people who love math, compound interest is a fun thing. If you start saving before you're 18, and you allow compound interest to do its work, you can actually have quite a bit of reserves within certain conditions. And that sometimes, if you do that early enough, that even if you start it later, you can never catch up to what you would have had before if you would have started early. And this is important because sometimes in, our da- in these daily disciplines, we're like, well, I'll get to that then, and I'll get to this later. I would just say start the little things now. Begin daily disciplines now. Because in doing so, you open up opportunity for your future. The last thing about establishing disciplines and normalizing habits, I would say, is this. Don't stay down. Don't stay down. Uh, messing up is a part of life. We have to learn to get back up. So I think Proverbs says, a righteous man falls down seven times and he gets up seven times. Like he gets up again, he just gets up. Now, I wanna exper- I want to share something that I'm totally embarrassed about as a parent. Totally embarrassed about as a parent. This regards my kids, and so I'm glad none of them are here but Matt. Um, but I just, I, this is, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say this. Um, because like our kids are really sharp and they're like top of the class kind of thing. You know, they're just, they're, just, they're brilliant like their mother. Um, my, my kids, it, it, this is hard for me to confess, but I'll just say it. My kids when they started walking would fall. It, it, just, it was awful. They would, they would like let go of something like they were gonna start walking and then they would fall down. And we're like, oh my goodness. Maybe our kids are gonna be a failure. Maybe they take a step and fall, like oh my goodness. Now, I just want you to know I'm really not embarrassed about my kids. But how many know that that as a parent, when a child is learning to walk, the goal is not perfection, it's progress. I remember as a parent, watching my kids as they took a step, well, number one, when they would let their hand, you know how they'd pull them up on themselves on furniture? And then they would do this. And that excitement wells up within you. You want to shout something. Like, Rachel, look! But you don't want to say it too loud lest you scare the baby and they fall over. And they do this. You're like, oh my goodness. She's starting to do it. And then as you watch them start teetering and then trying to take a step. And you're like, oh my goodness, they're doing it. They're going to walk. And then you're thinking, because you're all like, it's going to be freedom one day, because they can walk. It's beautiful. If they can walk one step, they can leave the house someday. Hallelujah. <laughs> but they take that step. And invariably, they fall. And you're like going, you know what? Yay! So like in our house, we, we, like, we psychologically mess with our children every time they fell. So, so you know that, that kids, when, when different things happen, they look to their parents to see how they're supposed to respond. You know, and, and so I always thought this was kind of funny because when your kid falls, they look at you and they're like, kind of, they have that dissonant moment. They're like, going, something doesn't feel right, but what am I supposed to do? And so we would go, yay! And so they learned to, it was okay to fall. And so they get up, and they start walking, and they fall again. And at no point as a parent did we give up on our kids. At no point did we say, you know what? Oh my goodness how dare you carry the Quigley name? That's it. We're going we're to give you another name. We're going to name you. we won't say who. Um, at no point did we, did, did we seek to bail on the name of our child. At, at no point did we just, like we knew that falling was a part of this. Did, did you know that, that studies have shown that in order to walk, a child must fall hundreds of times? in order for the brain to process everything properly so that it can actually be an upright walking, functional being. Did you know, know that falling is necessary? Did you know that parents who don't allow children to fall actually interrupt the development process of their children? And I'm not talking about falling downstairs; we would try and catch them on those, um, but, but just in the little boonk, because it's part of the development in order to figure out how to start walking. And, you know, I think sometimes that we have this expectation spiritually that when I make a decision to start walking and following God because it's kind of a new step for you and for me when we do these things and all of a sudden we kind of wobble a little bit and maybe we fall and we go, oh, that's it. God's just giving up on me. God, how can he, you know, I I, I must be such an embarrassment to God. How can I carry the name of our Savior? Because, look, I I can't even do what I said I was going to do. But the truth is, we have to learn to keep getting up. We have to learn as we adopt these new disciplines, say, you know, yeah, okay, so I get like crashed and burned on that one, but hey, you know what? (laughs) Let's get up and begin again. Because I'm learning how to walk out my faith every day. You see, in establishing new disciplines, we got to be okay with difficulty. We have to become okay with setbacks and, and have the determination that says, okay, yeah, I may have fallen down, but it's time to get up again. The enemy would so love to discourage you and keep you from establishing new disciplines in your life by reminding you just how inadequate and how messed up you are. And you know what I've come to do? This is how i come to address these things in my life. I just come to acknowledge that, you know what, I am messed up. But the reason transformation is possible isn't because Dave is that good, but because I serve a gracious God who loves me so much that he gave his life for me that even when I fall, his grace meets me to pick me back up and I can get up again. Do I got issues? Absolutely. But I'm learning to walk. His grace is empowering me to follow Him. I'm learning to to participate in it. That, that, you know what, I'm learning to have to make decisions on a day by day basis, sometimes moment by moment basis, simply saying, okay, God, I am choosing to follow you in this moment. Because when we do this through time, All of a sudden, our marriages begin to reflect the purpose God intended. Our parenting begins to reflect what God intended. Our lives begin to bear witness to the fact that we are His children. Because we began to walk. We began to take new steps. And my challenge for, for you is as you've been reflecting on what is that one area in your life that, that you're saying, you know, God, this is where I just recognize and feel you're calling me to grow. To begin to say, okay, so what discipline do I need to develop? What step do I need to learn to take? What step do I need to do? And say, okay, today, today's the day to begin. Today's the day to begin. Today's the day to begin to set in motion a a, a power and a potential in my life that I might see the glory of God not only touch and transform me, but impact the world all around me. Again, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always be what you've always been. And God's grace gives us the opportunity to change. May we, with courage and faith, live different. Jesus, I thank you for grace that meets us today in this moment. And God, you are calling us to live different. You are calling us to to experience your love and your grace in new ways. Lord, I thank you for grace that is greater than our history, our hurts, and our habits. I thank you, Lord, for for grace that calls us and invites us to experience a life far greater than we can ask or imagine. So, Lord, even as we've been reflecting, as we've been thinking about in this season, what's the next, what's the area of our life we need need to see change and growth? And, God, we know your Spirit's been speaking to us. Lord, it's been speaking about our our relationships. It's been speaking to us about some personal practices and habits. And, God, you want to release favor into our lives that we might become the people you've called us to be. Lord, I thank you that we get to bear your name. And God, this day, we're just going to make some decisions. Even little decisions. To develop new disciplines today. That we might allow your grace to transform our lives. Just as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how many would say, you know, in that area where I just sense God wanting me to grow, I'm beginning to see a next step, a new discipline that Jesus is challenging me with. Maybe it's to put something off. Maybe it's to put something on. And if you would say, you know what? I see that next step. And I'm willing to do it. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I'll pray with you. See those hands, thank you. Lord, I thank you that you are calling us to make movement in your direction. And God, you see every hand And Lord, we just simply come before you and say, Lord, would you, by your grace, give us the strength and power and grace to live out the purpose you have for us. Lord, would you help us develop and establish new disciplines in our life that our lives may reflect our relationship with you. Lord, would you help these disciplines to become a normal part of our living. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, as as we begin now, would you help us honor you? In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this is what we're going to do. You guys ready for some fun? Let's have some fun. So everybody gets to stand because we're going to sing in just a moment. Y'all can stand right now. That's okay. We'll get you moving get you moving. I just think there's something important about first steps. And, and, and this is how I want to challenge you to take your first step today. As you begin a new discipline. Is to consecrate it before God. Say, God, this is what I'm choosing. And so this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to take our first step today. This is going to challenge some of you. You're like, oh, I don't know if I people are going to see I'm not perfect. That's okay. We well, you know you're not perfect. We love you. But as the worship team comes, would you just come? Would you just kneel around the front and just say, God, here's my first step. I'm going to live it. I'm going to honor you. So as the worship team sings, would you please come and just commit your new discipline to him?